here with you. Can you believe it? Christmas right around the corner. Merry Christmas. Man, can you believe it? Just a couple of days away, and uh, man, it just seems like December has flown by. And uh, we are in a series here called Let There Be Light. Let there be light. Just a couple of weeks long as we're celebrating Jesus Christ as the light of the world come down for you and for me. May we have hope in Jesus Christ. And uh, let there be light. So last week we looked at what that meant for Jesus to be the light that brings eternal life. Jesus Christ, as he came down, brought us hope. And some 33 years after him coming down, he went to the cross, he died, and he rose again. And as we believe in him, like as we actually lean our whole life on him, as we believe that he has risen from the dead and confess him as Lord, we can be saved. Man, that's what saved is. Believing he is risen, giving him charge of my life. You're in charge, take over. That's saved. Man, it is not, everybody say not, it is not just some mental ascent, some, yeah, I I guess I kind of agree with that, sure, why not? It is, I'm all in, I'm giving my life to you, you're in charge. Man, that's saved. And uh, man, if you have not trusted Christ, make this the season, make this the time to hand your life to him and say, all right, I'm fully in, I'm trusting in you. Jesus Christ, he's the one who came to bring hope, and he came to bring salvation. And I love all that he's about. He is the light. He uh, casts light into this dark world, and he makes it clear who he is and what he's going after. He's the light that brings eternal life, and now this week, he's the light that brings adoption. He's the light that brings adoption. We actually can experience what adoption is richly and deeply with our God. So do me a favor, turn with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 29. Galatians 3, starting in verse 29. We're going to talk a little bit about what it means to experience this adoption that Jesus Christ brings. So how do we go after it? Point number one, recognize. Recognize that before Jesus, we were all enslaved to this world. Recognize that before Jesus, we were all enslaved to this world. We have hope because of Jesus Christ, and before him, we were all enslaved into this world. As we pick this up in Galatians chapter 3, we just have to know a little context. This is Paul writing the book. He's writing to the church. Um, The Galatians are people who are learning and wrestling along the way. In fact, they had a few struggles. Bottom line is they were wrestling with what it meant for them to actually be saved and then how they should live it. And as they went after trying to live it, they got more comfortable with trying to be good themselves. They were trying to do some things and arrange some things in their life so that salvation made sense because of their own actions. And so they began to get very legalistic in their behavior there was some things they began to say needed to happen, like, hey, you've got to follow through with some of these Jewish cultural things. Circumcision is important or you can't be saved. And they had a number of different things they were starting to go down the line on. They were wrong for those. Everybody say they're wrong. Right? They were adding too much. It was the Jesus and plan. And Paul was beginning to address that and make it clear that's not what salvation is. And so he was walking through the, dude, it's not because your works were good enough. It's Jesus Christ and him alone. We are saved in him. And all of God's people said, 
That's a huge deal and a huge hope. And as we pick this up, he's been making it clear and celebrating that there is life in Christ and that we have hope because of him and him alone. So here we go, starting in verse uh, 29 of chapter 3. It says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And if you are Christ's, meaning if you're saved, right, if you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, please hear me, it is not if you believe that Jesus died on the cross. It doesn't say that in scripture. It says, believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. It's not enough that he died. He died and three days later, he rose again from the dead. If you believe he is alive, there is authority in him. There is power in him if you believe that and you confess him as Lord, you're like, you take over in my life. I'm not in charge. You're in charge. Well, then you are Christ's. That's what he's talking about. If you are Christ's, if you believe and you're handing your life over to him, if you're truly saved, then you are Abraham's offspring. Remember, we were just talking a little bit about the Galatians. They were wrestling with what it meant to be Jewish, what it meant to be Gentile, how you would carry some of those Jewish things across. And they were trying to do the things that would allow them to be like Abraham's offspring. How can we follow through? And they were doing things like circumcision and things like that, trying to follow through and, and do some of that which would help them to be considered part of that nation. And the reality is he says, hey, heads up, if you are saved, well, then you are Abraham's offspring. Everybody say, that's a big deal. All right. That is a huge deal. That is also a metaphor going on. As he's speaking through it, right, when we speak of offspring, we think of, you know, from our flesh comes other flesh. It's from our blood comes other blood, and that's our offspring. And there is that physical offspring. And he's like, just so you know, there is also a spiritual offspring of Abraham. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you are saved, Man, you are Abraham's children. You literally get to declare yourself part of the promise. Abraham's offspring. And a huge privilege to be able to clear, declare this spiritual promise. Then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. Heirs according to promise. First of all, the word heir, it means that you have an inheritance coming so if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you have an inheritance coming. You're like, well, that's good, because I don't have a lot this side. So it's nice that we got something on that side. Heirs means we have some hope in Jesus Christ, inheritance coming. It says heirs according to promise. Heirs according to what? Yeah, don't miss that. He's like, just so you know, there's certain things that were done and said in the physical world with the Jewish nation, and he's like, I'm going to do some things like, I'm going to put a king over them. You're going to have king, and you're going to have a king that will last forever, kingship there. You're going to have land and property, and there were things that were promised to the Jewish nation physically, okay, and those physical things based on their physical bloodline, but there was also some spiritual promise. You are going to have the Holy Spirit come into you and write the law on your hearts. You are going to, they had no idea what that really meant. They're like, somehow God is going to do something in us, but there is going to be this spiritual thing that happens. There is going to be a millennial kingdom that is going to be awesome, and there is going to be eternity after it. There is a ton of spiritual promise 
that is actually going on. And he's like, just so you know, if you trust in Jesus Christ, you get to share in that spiritual promise. Praise be to God. Man, we literally get to share in the spiritual things that were promised to Abraham and all of those who were trusting in God along the way. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Please note, it is faith, it is belief, and it always has been and it always will be. And it is about salvation through faith. And if we believe in Jesus Christ, if we have faith in him, we literally can be declared Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We have spiritual hope coming. And then Paul says, I mean, and you got to love this part. There's those moments where you're explaining something and you're like, maybe that wasn't clear. Let me start over, right? And that's a little bit of what Paul's doing here. He's like, I mean, let me make this clear. Let me clear up this whole air thing in Jesus Christ. He says, I mean that the air, as long as he is a child, so the heir, the one who has the right to inherit, as long as he is a child. Now, just so you know, we use the word child in our language, and it basically just means you were born to somebody else, right? So I could be speaking of my grown children. I can call them my children, or this is a child of mine, right? But in the Greek, they actually had two different words. One was little one, and then the other one was son or daughter, grown one. Okay, and so it was like young child or older child. We just say child, right? And and so he's making a distinction here when he says it. He says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a little one, everybody say little one, as long as he is a little one, a child, uh, is no different from a slave. Some of the kids in here are like, I knew it, (laughs) right? (laughs) And uh, he's like, just so you know, The little ones, while they have a right eventually to the inheritance, the reality is the inheritance isn't theirs then. And just like a slave, now this word slave here in the Greek, it's the word bond slave. That's when somebody was coming up short. They weren't able to pay for what they owed. They had a debt. And in order to make good on it, they would end up saying, hey, I will be your servant for a number of years They would come in and they would serve that person in that household, not having any rights to any of the property. It's not theirs. It's the other person's. But as they served there, they were caring for them. They were a bond slave. No rights, no privileges, getting things done for some period of time, paying off some other debt. This is not mine. This is yours, right? And a little one has as much right to claim any of that as a bond slave does. Neither of them can walk in and go, all right, that's it. I'm taking this over now, right? The two-year-old doesn't walk in the house and say, just so you know, today, that car is mine. I'm inheriting it, right? doesn't happen. Like while you have the right eventually to inherit, the little ones are on a trajectory to that, but not right now, right? And in fact, at the moment, you have just as much right to claim it as a bond slave. Uh, Everybody say none. You have no right to claim this right now. But it's coming in time, which is a huge, huge difference. As long as he is a child, there's no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. It's like, just heads up, eventually it will be yours, and rightly it will be yours, just not yet. Hang on. To be an heir and to be a child as an heir means it's eventually coming to you. 
It says, but he is under guardians and managers until the time or the date that the father sets. He is under guardians and managers. This little one is being watched, right? We'll call it in our terms today. There's a nanny. There's somebody watching over this child. There's, this child is being cared for. This child isn't owning and running. This child is still being taken care of. But there's a date set by the father. Now, in, in our culture, we'll often hear, you know, maybe we'll hear a term like trust fund, something like that. And a trust fund. And, and maybe it becomes this person's at age 21 or maybe age 25 or some age like that. The, the parent sets a, a stated time, like I want it to be this date. I want it to be when they're done with college or I want it to be when they're, you know, at this age or when they're married or whatever it is, right? There's some trust fund that rightly comes to you decided by the father. They've established when it'll be handed across. And it's not when you're this, but it's when you're this, right? It's not when you're little, it's when you're grown up. And and so that's exactly what's going on here. It's when the date the father sets. In Jewish culture, right, in Jewish culture, this would actually have been probably somewhere right around age 13, right around that bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, right? Bar mitzvah is for the son, bat mitzvah is for the daughter, right? And it's when they would kind of come of age. And so somewhere around 13 years old for them, they would often have the right and the privilege to be able at that point to begin to declare some things about the inheritance. And uh, we typically, if we would have something, it's in our culture, it tends to be more like a trust fund would be in their 20s and, or, or it's a will that would be like after you pass away, you would then hand it over, right? We have something established. There's a date established by the father. And so the Father in heaven has established an inheritance for us that we get to be able to declare as our own. And it isn't when we're here on this earth, and it isn't uh, along our journey here. There's something way different going on that God has in mind. It says there are guardians, and they're watching until the date of the time of the Father, and they're caring for along the way. Man, this is a huge deal that we grasp the privilege of inheritance. It says, in the same way, everybody say same way, right? So he's beginning to make metaphors and comparisons, and he's like, just so you know, just like the child who has an inheritance, in the same way, we also, when we were children, when we were little ones, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. We're enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. I'm just going to tell you this is a super complex verse, and there are a couple different opinions on what it might mean. Like when we were children, like we were little in the faith, like we were saved, but, but we were very young in the faith. We were very uh, maybe immature and just being grown up. We were just getting what it meant to follow Christ. And so where we had come from was still a huge part of what we were. Those elementary principles of the world, the things we learned in the world on how to walk and talk and be were still a part of us and we were kind of getting rid of some of that as we were coming along. Could mean that, right? It could mean that I was young in the faith or it could mean just complete unbeliever. I'm not yet saved at all, right? Either one of those, legitimately, the reality is they're being affected by the elementary principles of the world. They're just coming along in their walk with Christ or they haven't even gotten there yet. And these elementary principles of the world, they're starting to follow what it would look like to try to earn it yourself. Everybody said it's a terrible plan. And they're trying to walk that path. And like we were enslaved to that. Like our understanding was try to be good enough. 
And maybe you're from the Jewish culture and you're like, I've got to follow the Torah, the law. I've got to follow Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and I've got to do really well with that. I remember when John and I were at a, uh, we had gone to visit um, a synagogue, and we were talking with a young man. He was probably, I don't know, 19 or 20, and we were just chatting afterwards, and it was an assignment I had for a seminary class to go to a synagogue. It was a fascinating experience and great to be able to be there that evening and interact with them, and I asked the young man uh, a couple of questions, and I think John actually is the one who asked, so what's your favorite book of the Bible? And, uh, and he said, Leviticus. And I said, no, really, no way. And uh, no, Leviticus really is. Like, that was it. He loved it and, and poured into that. And, and it was his thing. And it was his, I got to do all these things. And it has to be done just right. And, and that's what he was going after. The elementary principles, even of the world, can often even be the things of the Bible we bring in and we try to make it an earned session. It's all about me. And I got to do. And completely missing it. Right? Or maybe it's not the law like the Torah. Maybe it's the law that's written in your heart, like your conscience speaking and the things you know that you probably shouldn't be saying or doing, but you're, you're trying to get away from those and you're trying to do a little more right, and the, right as the world walks along and tries to earn. And whether we're unsaved or just saved, that's a part of what we have going on and we're trying to figure out life. We're enslaved to it. Men know this. Before Christ, and as we just come to Christ, we have to learn to stop saying, I'll handle this. It's time for us to learn, God's got this. May we hand this to our King. Jesus Christ came into this world to give us hope. He came wrapped in swaddling clothes. In this Christmas season, may we celebrate that I have hope and it's not in my own action. And all of God's people said, and I'm leaning on Jesus Christ and all that he gives. May we grasp the freedom we can have in Christ. You know, Houdini, it's a name you may know, right? A guy who loved to be able to do these little kind of trick moments, magic moments. One of the biggest things he was known for was trying to get out of very difficult situations, right? And so at one point, he actually said, hey, I'm going to go into Scotland Yard. I'm going to try to get out of one of these uh, Scotland Yard prisons. And uh, so he went in there. They actually took his hands, locked him, shackled him up, shackled up his legs, and then put him into the uh, prison cell and closed the gate, closed the door. And this jail cell is now closed, and he's sitting in there, and he said, okay, you guys go away. I'm going to try to get out. And so they did, they, they left, and he's sitting in there, it didn't take him but a couple of minutes, and he had the shackles off his hands and off of his feet, he knows how to get shackles off and no problem, and boom, that's done. He goes over to this jail cell door, and he starts trying to fumble with it, he knows exactly what to do, and he can't get the tumbler to flip. He's looking and listening for that flip, and he can't get it, and he's got this little thing that he knows to do, and it's not working. Hours and hours and hours go by. And they're sitting outside and they're like, he told us not to go in. Maybe we should go check and see if he's okay, you know? And they're sitting outside waiting. He's exhausted from trying so many different things. He finally just leans down and leans against the door cell and it just swings open. 
they forgot to lock it. <laughs> and he was sitting there trying to lock, unlock the thing, and it wasn't locked. How often is that you and me in our walk? Maybe in our young walk as following Jesus Christ, or maybe even as mature believers where we're trying to unlock the door and get out of the prison, and he's like, it's already unlocked. Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again, and as we believe in him, the jail cell is unlocked. And all of God's people said, man, may we not live as children attached to elementary principles of this world, locked in a cell, but may we recognize the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. The jail cell is unlocked. Just push her open. It's time for us to celebrate life in Jesus Christ. Man, are you living the freedom in Christ? Are you grasping that the price is paid? Or are you still living like little ones locked in the elementary principles? Lord God, I'm handing you my soul. Number two, because of Jesus, we can now be adopted as legitimate heirs. Because of Jesus, we can now be adopted as legitimate heirs. It says, but, and every time we see these words, make sure you read slowly in Scripture, take your time. Like we just were reading all about the fact that we are children and we're locked up in these elementary principles, and, and now he says, but... When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And that's what Christmas is about. This massive celebration of God the Father sending God the Son. God Almighty humbling himself and clothing himself and becoming a man. He came down into this world clothed first in the flesh of an infant. And the angels cried out, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Man, we have the king who has come for us. Christmas and the season of Christmas, don't miss it. It is all about celebrating that our God stepped into this world because he loves you. He loves you with all he's got. And he declares out, the fullness of time had come. The fullness of time had come. Literally, God had a plan. He knew what he was doing, and he knew where he was headed. And he knew what he was going to accomplish from before the world began. He knew how it was all unfolding. He had his timeline and he said, hang on, there's going to be an appointed time when. In fact, he even shared out with all of those in Israel through the prophets, just so you know, there's going to be one coming called Messiah. He's going to end up reigning for eternity. He even gave Daniel a little bit of a roadmap, a time chart to be able to understand when that coming would happen. And as Daniel got that understanding of time, in Daniel chapter 9, as he began to grasp what that meant and looked like, Daniel was able to share that out with those around him. These unbelievably wise people from the East 
who end up eventually having that shared down through the generations and they know the promise of the time that God is pulling forth and it ends up coming that as that is right at the time, there is also a star in the heavens that begins to declare it out. The fullness of time had come. God declared it from before the foundations of the world and he walked it through to its fullness and he sent Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, do not miss, it is not an accident, it is completely planned and on purpose. The fullness of time had come. And it says, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, Born of a woman. Notice it doesn't say born of woman and man. Why doesn't it say that? Well, because Mary's body was used, born of a woman, but it wasn't Joseph. Joseph was caretaker, but Joseph was not physical father. The Holy Spirit came in to be able to be a part of that process of this little one being made. And so it was woman and Holy Spirit. Why is that a big deal? Well, actually, if you go back to Genesis, the punishment of sin right? What you have falling out from that, remember this, Eve goes and takes the apple or the fruit. She takes a bite. Nothing happens yet. She takes it to Adam. Nothing happens yet. He takes it. Nothing happens yet. He eats it. Now something happens. And for whatever reason, Eve was first to break it, but Adam's headship over it is what mattered most. And you go to Romans chapter 5, it says that sin is passed down to all of us through the man. Right? And all the ladies in the room are like, I knew it! <laughs> right? Sin is passed down through the man. And whether that's physiological or spiritual or both, we don't know, but I'll tell you this, God knows exactly what he's doing and when he declares it out, sin is passed down through the man. That's a huge deal. So man was not used in Jesus coming in and being clothed with flesh. Holy Spirit in place of man. So now the sin is not passed into Jesus Christ. And now he is absolutely stunningly perfect. Absolutely glorious from the beginning of his inception here in this world. Perfect. Born of woman. Everybody say that's a big deal. And so sin was not passed on. And Jesus came in and lived a perfect life here for you and for me. And a born of woman, born under the law, born under the law. He was born Jewish. His parents followed through with Jewish law. They were following Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They were managing what was rightly called of for them to do. They were tracking with what scripture said as God's plan was. He was born under the law, Jewish, and they were following through with it. Him being perfect, he was able to fully and completely follow through. Him fulfilling what we never could. Praise be to God. He was born under the law, and then it says, to redeem those who were under the law. Everybody just say, that's me. And he was born, he lived perfectly under the law. He lived it sinless that he might one day go to the cross and pay for you, saved. That you could be covered to redeem those under the law, all of us responsible underneath the law to be able to grasp what is the rightness and the morality of our God. 
and we miss it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ is my hope. Man, he redeems me under the law. It says to redeem those who are under the law so that, purpose statement, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So that we might receive adoption as sons. That we might literally be able to be brought in to the family of God. Let's just break it down. So that we might receive adoption as sons. First of all, the word adoption, it means to be able to take what is not yours and make it rightly and legally yours. Adoption. To take what is not yours and be able to make it rightly and legally yours. God rightly and legally bringing us into the home adopted. Adoption is a divine thing. It's a huge deal as God brings in and begins to treat as fam. Man, that's a huge deal to be able to walk that process. And notice it says adoption as sons. Notice now in the Greek, it differentiates between the word child and son. Between young one and matured one. We are adopted in as children matured with rights and privileges. We are brought into the family and God begins to declare, you matter to me. I am bringing you into my home. You are my child, grown with privilege. God adopts us. And all of God's people said, amen, man, don't miss it. Adoption in this physical world, such a huge moment of being able to celebrate what God does for us. And that's thunderous, right? <laughs> and I'm just, it'll knock your cup over right where you sit, right? And I'm just telling you, God doing an amazing thing in our lives as he brings us in and treats us as his children grown with rights and privileges. We are adopted, not because of what we've done, but because of who he is, adopted as sons. And here's the catch. It says to redeem us who are under the law. Just to make this clear, the law is a lot like uh, the Mickey Mouse sign at the front of every ride in Disney, right? It's like, you have to be this tall, right? And as you get up to the sign, you have to figure it out. I remember when we went to Disney World with our kids, and you were always a little nervous. Some of the rides were a little different than others about the height, and you're like, are they going to make it? Are we going to have to, like, you know, are we going to have to walk out later? Are, we gonna, are they going to stand on their tippy toes to try to fake it? Like, what's going to happen as you get to the front, and you get to this line, and you're like, they made it! Phew! We get to go on this ride, right? That's like the Mickey Mouse hand. That's the law. The problem is, it's like way up there. And all of us come under it, and we're not even close. Have you ever been in one of those lines where the kid comes up, and the parents are like hoping, and they're like off by a foot and a half on the height? They don't even know what they're looking at, and they're like, well, maybe, we'll see. Not even close, right? We come up to the law, and we are not even close. We have no hope of getting into eternity based on our own goodness. It is because he adopts us in that we have hope. And all of God's people said, adopted as sons with rights and privileges. 
It says, and because you are sons, because you are these children with rights and privileges, here comes some of the privilege. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The Holy Spirit taking up residence within your heart. One of the privileges of being adopted is you have the Holy Spirit with you. You are not alone. Comforter, guide, leader, teacher, trainer, the one who prays on your behalf, you are not alone. You have the Holy Spirit with you. It says, not only do you have the Holy Spirit in you, but he's crying out, Abba, Father. Abba means Daddy. You are crying out to your Father, who is rightly now your Father. See, all too often, we just kind of go, Dear Heavenly Father, and we just throw it out there. But grasp what you're actually saying. Dear one who has adopted me into your home and has brought me into the royal kingdom for all eternity. One who has done for me what I do not deserve. Dear Daddy. That's our privilege, man. His relationship with our God, being stunned and blown away with who He is and all that He does for us. He says, because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. He says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. You are no longer a slave. You are done trying to walk according to those elemental principles. You are done trying to be good enough. It's over. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ. He came. He grew. He lived it perfectly. He died and he rose again. And if you believe in him, if you confess him as your Lord, you are no longer a slave. The gate has been opened. The door is ready to swing wide. Are you ready to live for him? You are no longer a slave. Man, Christmas is the celebration that the door was going to be unlocked, that we have hope. And may we long for him to do an amazing work. It says so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. Don't miss it. It does not say you are no longer a slave, but a child. In the Greek, that would have been a contradiction to what he had just said, right? The little one and the slave are about equal. The little one is headed towards inheritance, but still no right to claim it. He says, you are no longer a slave, but a grown child, child with privilege. And we use that word child interchangeably for younger and older. Make sure you capture with privilege. That's what he means. You are a child of God with privilege. Everybody say, with privilege. Don't miss it, man. We are declaring out that we are his, a son of God. And it says, but if a son, then an heir through God. An heir. You have an inheritance. And it is rightly yours to be able to be stepping into. And the Father has the set time where he's going to roll it out, and some of it right here and right now, and some of it in the future. Praise be to God. I just wrote a few things down about this inheritance that we may want to mark. Our inheritance 
Here's a couple of things that are true. Ready? We are heirs. We have an inheritance. Here's a couple of things that are true. Number one, it is sealed and guaranteed. This inheritance is sealed and guaranteed, Ephesians 1.14, by the Holy Spirit. Sealed and guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. This inheritance is yours. It's like going in to talk to a lawyer and the will is like all rolled up and it's stamped and sealed by an official body saying, this will be true. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that has taken residence in your heart. He is there as a guarantee of the inheritance that is coming, Ephesians 1.14. This inheritance, it's promised. This inheritance, it's guaranteed. This inheritance, it starts with the Holy Spirit presence in your life right here and right now. You are not alone. Your God loves you with all he's got. Number two, your inheritance. What is it? Have you ever wondered, like, what is the inheritance? Like, really just answer to yourself right now. What is the inheritance? Make sure you think it through. Okay. Got it? So here's a couple of thoughts about what the inheritance includes. So number two here, the world. Did you know that? The whole world. Here's actually some quotes. Hebrews 1-2 says, Jesus is the heir of all things. Jesus is the heir of all things. He gets to take everything under him. He spoke it into existence. It's rightly his. He gets to take it all. You're like, how is that me? <laughs> Jesus is the heir of all things. Well, Romans 8-17 says, and we are co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs. In fact, it uses the Greek word for heir, and it uses another word that says with him. Co-heirs with Christ. Literally, the world is part of the inheritance. This world is going to end up being resolved and restored. There's going to end up being a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm telling you, all that is physical and all that exists will end up being rightly yours as a son of the king who owns it all. And part of the privilege of this world is it brings a joy, it brings a satisfaction. New heaven and new earth is going to be amazing. And all of this gets rallied under and there's going to be joy, satisfaction, purpose. There is going to be role and responsibility. The world is part of the inheritance. As we end up along with Christ being able to rule alongside of him. He being the firstborn, Jesus Christ is your brother. You get that, right? Let that settle. You're adopted in. He is God's son. You get adopted as son. Your big brother is Jesus Christ. And you're like, I don't know, man, that sounds a little bit wrong. No, we're actually call, told that he is called brother in Hebrews. He is your brother, Jesus Christ. And he is heir of all things, and you are now co-heir in the family. Being able to take privilege in all that is created and being able to celebrate God along the way with joy and satisfaction. And, uh, but more than that, there, our inheritance also uh, includes uh, not just the world, but redeemed and glorified bodies. Redeemed and glorified bodies. This broken thing is going to be fixed. Yeah, I got one amen on that. 
This broken thing is going to be fixed, man, and we aren't going to be waddling around, barely able to figure it out, getting up in the morning and like, oh, got to stretch out a little bit. That knee is kind of aching. Not that. Everybody say not that. Glorified, stunning, perfect body. You're like, I already have that. (laughs) Better than what you got, man. I'm just telling you, it's amazing what God is going to be doing. Glorified, redeemed, perfect, stunning, points to Jesus Christ and says, look how awesome he is, body. For all of eternity, that. And then here comes the big one. And last, and the most in the inheritance, is you get God himself forever. God himself forever. In the presence of God Almighty forever. See, usually if you're asked real quickly, hey, what's the inheritance? The quick answer is eternal life. But we have to be careful. Eternal life where? Eternal life with what? Eternal life in what way? It is eternal life with God, our almighty King, the one who has adopted us in, our God bringing us in with him. And this world being a part of where we're going to be and what's going to be going on, new heaven and new earth, tons of restoration, body fixed up, God getting all the glory for all of eternity. You have an inheritance that is going to rock your world forever in the presence of God Almighty. Listen to these words, Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We, Amen, man. We will have a presence with God. Him right there with you, you looking at him face to face. Only time we will ever be able to see God face to face is in eternity. Not here in our broken bodies with our sinful nature, but there and then in perfection with God. Absolute stunning glory as every moment is utterly, completely satisfying and you are lifting him up and there is nothing about you and selfishness that gets in the way, God getting all the praise. As we take our glorified bodies and we work in that fixed new world, new heaven and new earth, all for God and his glory. That's your inheritance. An unbelievable satisfaction forever. You've been adopted into that privilege. We're on the streets without anything. And the king of the universe has brought you in because of his graciousness and kindness and love. You are adopted as children of God. May God get all the glory. I'll just close with this story. Saw this in a couple of different spots this week, but John Newton, who's a pastor from years back, he talked about a guy who was told that he had an inheritance coming, life-altering, massive numbers. It was going to be huge. 
And so they actually came to get him. He got in the carriage. He was going for this ride over to the city. It was going to be a long ride. But he had this inheritance coming that was going to be life-altering. As they went along the way, several different problems with the carriage came up. Ultimately and finally, the wheel just broke and fell off. The carriage was broken, and he was just outside of the city, just a mile or two away. And as he got out of the carriage, he sat down, and he began to wring his hands and say how horrible this world was, and I'm just going to go back home and forget this. Of course that's not what he did. He got out and he said, I got a mile and a half left until a life-altering moment. And I am going to celebrate the family that I've been a part of that is bringing this inheritance to me. I'm in. And he walked his way in with energy, with passion, with power. And he was going in to say, I can't wait to see how all this unfolds in the greatness of what this life-altering gift brings. I'm telling you all too often, our carriage wheel is broken and we're on the side of the road wringing our hands. Instead of saying, I have an inheritance coming that is going to rock my world. I have an inheritance coming that is stunning and it lasts for all of eternity. I've got the Holy Spirit with me right now as a starting point, a seal and a guarantee. I am a child of God. Fear is done. I am done with this broken world knocking me down. I am in with worshiping my King. I am walking with all I've got to that city and I cannot wait for that life-altering inheritance to be lifted up and handed over to me. Not because of who I am, but because of who my Father is. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. We are adopted sons and daughters. May God get all the glory. May God get all the glory. Let's pray. 